Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. St. Luke chapter 2 and we'll begin reading at verse number 6. Thankful for this season. Amen. I'm really thankful for this season because of what it represents to us. I'm thankful for the word of the Lord that's touched our heart here today and amen. We trust that you all had a wonderful holiday season and pray that the Spirit of God will continue to keep his hand on us and excited about good things and and wonderful things in the new year. The book of Luke chapter 2 and verse number 6, the Bible says, and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. This is a very important moment in the history of the church. Amen. It's not just something that what we know today is the world has commercialized it to the nth degree, but it's a very important, significant moment in the church. Amen. And I'm thankful for a babe in swaddling clothes, and I'm thankful that he was in a manger. But I want to talk to you this morning from this subject. There's more than a manger. Amen. There's more than a manger at, at, on the scene here today. And I'm grateful for his presence and I'm grateful for what we feel here today because what we feel is just that. More than just something in a manger. Praise God. Amen. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. And I thank you, Lord, for the embrace of your spirit that we feel in this holy house. It's because of you, Lord, we've had the opportunity to gather. And it is because of you, Lord, serving as the centerpiece this morning of all things that we have. We have a compass that can direct the trajectory and set the trajectory of our life and guide us and lead us. We're grateful for your spirit. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and glory. And you can be seated today and thank you. For your attention this morning, I appreciate the word that we heard today. Thank you to our musicians and our singers, our praise team. Amen. You just encouraged us today with the words of truth by song. This time of year, and I mentioned this a couple of services ago, but this time of the year, it's very common to see nativity scenes. and They dot the landscape of America 
for a few weeks leading up to Christmas. And of course, as you well know, these scenes vary. Some of them are inanimate objects, a little more at times than just lighted plastic figures. Some of them lit, some unlit. While others may be a little more elaborate, you probably have seen somewhere, if not this year and other years prior, you have, you have seen live nativity scenes where people will stand out, not necessarily in Florida and especially this year, but people will stand out in the bitter cold. <laughs> Hasn't quite been a bitter cold and a long way from a white Christmas for us, that's for sure. But we see people stand in that bitter cold for hours on end. Not to bring attention to themselves, Many of them do that at a great sacrifice. They have given their time, effort, energy, and things of that nature. So it's not about bringing attention to them, but it is to acknowledge the birth of our Lord and Savior. This is mankind's attempt, albeit in some cases it may seem feeble in the minds and the eyes of some, but it is man's attempt to help us realize that the Christmas season is not just a time for giving and receiving of gifts and it's not just a time for family socials. It's not just a time for eating, although we've probably done plenty of that over the last several days. Amen. But there's more to this than that. There's more than a manger and more than a babe in swaddling clothes. And it's more, more than just receiving something or giving something. And it's more than just fellowship or being together or family gatherings. Amen. There's a sober reminder, I think. These are sober reminders, rather, of what Isaiah was speaking about. And he was correct. Isaiah was accurate in chapter 7 and verse number 14 when he said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2, Simon reminds us that the word of God, all of the word of God, was written as holy men of old were moved on by the spirit of God. And so we've heard this said different ways, but I believe that the word of God was not just God inspired, but God breathed. Amen. It was the breath of God, the work of God. And so the whole Bible is the inspired word of God. It was given to common men, but they were moved on by an uncommon spirit, that spirit that touched their heart. Therefore, we know because of that that Isaiah wrote these words that I just read to you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit or the directive of God. These were not just his thoughts or this was not just something that he wanted to chronicle, but God moved upon him. Now, I have no idea whether or not a man like Isaiah would question himself when the spirit of the Lord would cause you to write something that says a virgin shall conceive. I mean, after all, he was a grown man and he understood a little bit how life worked and so this seems so contrary to the natural and normal path. Nevertheless, regardless of what it sounded like, regardless of how unorthodox it may be, amen, to a man who knew better, we think about in physical terms, but despite how it sounded, he followed the unction of the Lord. 
I'm thankful for men like Isaiah, and I'm thankful for other biblical characters, but I'm gonna tell you that it's not just men and women in the scripture that were moved on by the Spirit of God and spoke, but many times things that were spoken and have been given words and directions have been words that if you were just to somehow take a pen knife and extract them out of the context of the day, it would have seemed as odd and unusual as the words that Isaiah is pinning here. Amen. Despite, however, what it might have sounded, he followed the spirit of God and the unction that was in his heart. Amen. Perhaps he even, if he was made out of the same thing you and I are made out of, perhaps he even worried what others would think about those words. Maybe some would worry that Isaiah has lost his mind or that Isaiah had, had slipped a little bit here or there. But when he became obedient to the Spirit of God, I believe we would all agree that he penned something for the ages. It wasn't something he was just going to write down and place it on a shelf and maybe it would become some sort of odd heirloom to his children or grandchildren and great-grandchildren, but he penned something for the ages. These words were not lost in time. While indeed they were spoken long before this glorious event took place, they were well-preserved because they were God-inspired and not Isaiah-inspired. These words held their integrity Amen, all through time. If you think about the dark ages between the Old Testament and the New Testament, centuries of silence could do nothing to remove their power or diminish their power. Therefore, when we open the very first book of the, of the New Testament, the very first chapter, as a matter of fact, of the very first book of the New Testament, here's what we find in Matthew 1 and 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. If you drop down to verse number 20, an angel appeared unto them in a dream, unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the, by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, here it is, behold, a virgin shall be with child, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so, oh, how we would have be, loved to be able to just stop time and just travel back to the mind, the heart of Isaiah and just say, you were right. You were correct, sir. I, I realize that my mind doesn't always operate like the normal mind and that's all right. You don't have to stand and shout hallelujah. Please don't get up and run the aisle. But I just think about what heaven is going to be like when some of these men and women of old find out that what they said, maybe they went to their grave wondering in their heart. I'm just being very human now. I'm being very human now. I just wonder in their heart if they lay down the stillness of the night, if there wasn't somehow that accusatory voice in their mind and their spirit that said, I don't know what you were talking about, but what a glorious moment when you realize 
that what, what, what they felt in their heart and what they said, it really came to pass. Amen. Joel talks about how the spirit of the Lord was gonna be poured out. Oh my, my, my. And it was Simon that stood and said when they began to question what was going on, Simon Peter stood up and said, this is what the prophet Joel has been telling us about. He went to his grave perhaps with a measure of uncertainty in his flesh. Maybe he left this world with just a small fraction of uncertainty in his own mind, but it really was the inspired word of God just to be able to say, Isaiah, you were right. I realize there's very little that I could say on this subject today that you haven't perhaps already heard. As a matter of fact, there are no doubt many people in this room this morning that could uh, that, that almost could quote this story verbatim. However, what I have come to do is say this, that Jesus Christ was born to a virgin girl named Mary. The no vacancy sign that hung in the window of the inn did not prevent his birth. It didn't detain, it didn't delay. However, in truth, the angels were correct and the wise men who were diligent in their search did find that promised child and he was wrapped in swaddling clothes and he was laying in a manger. Amen, but I just want to remind us of something significant today that while he was wrapped in clothes and he was laid in a manger, he did not stay in that manger. I know that our nativity scenes today will come and go. They'll be unpacked and he's in the manger and they'll be packed back up and he's still in the manger. But I'm glad this morning that I know that he's not in that manger. Amen. I'm thankful for those scenes that remind us of this significant moment. But if you're looking for him this morning, I want you to understand you don't need to go to a manger and try to find him there. The Bible tells us that he began to grow, not only in stature, but the scripture talks about that he grew in knowledge as well. While he did learn some of the natural trades of his father, he grew up in the home of a carpenter. And so he knew his way around a wood shop. He knew his way around the, the, the life of a carpenter. Amen, he was far more interested in the mission of his heavenly father. And that's why he was in the temple teaching when he was 12. That's why they left him and lost him for just a moment of time because he said, I must be about my father's business. He did walk the face of the earth and he did change the lives of men and women far and wide. The stories are true. He did heal the sick and raise the dead. He did many signs and miracles and wonders, but it was not a sideshow. He was not there trying to bring attention to himself. He was not there trying to raise awareness for his own ministry or raise funding for his own ministry. As a matter of fact, he, there were times that he performed miracles and then sent the healed away and said, don't mention anything about this. This is not about you getting your miracle but this is about me validating, amen, not just the message, but the messenger, amen. He went to the cross, he bled, he died, amen. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sin, and if we're not careful, we can forget that. As bizarre as that may sound, but we can forget. Some people have him in the manger. Some people still have him on the cross. 
You see pictures of him on the cross. You see crucifix around people's necks. Amen. I stand to remind you this morning of one very important central truth that if you're looking for Jesus Christ, there is no need to look in the manger. Amen. He's not there. As a matter of fact, there's no need to look on the cross or there's no need to look in the tomb because he's not there either because he born he was born and he died and he rose again and we have today because of that knowledge we have something that the whole world is looking for. Amen. That is a word wrapped up in four letters and that is hope. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. We don't know where the world's headed the condition of the world is headed. We don't know today. We feel at times that things are settling down and then we look around us and we realize that there's a measure of uncertainty that still seems to reverberate just under the surface. But I'm gonna tell you this morning and I'm not being cavalier at all. Please don't understand me in that regard. But I will tell you that regardless of where the economic situation is headed or the political situation or the health situation, I'm gonna tell you that my hope is not wrapped up in Washington, D.C. or Tallahassee. My hope is not wrapped up in the minds of men. My hope is not wrapped up in the direction of men, although I appreciate all of the above. But I'm gonna tell you, when they fall short, I'm not gonna stand there with fear in my heart and panic in my soul because that's not where my hope is hinged. My hope is hinged on something a little bit higher and something a little bit greater. Praise God. My hope is in him. Praise the Lord. He's more than a child in a manger. He is the savior of the world. The manger, that was just a vehicle to hold him for a season. He didn't come to live in that manger. He didn't come to live out and spend his life in the inn. Amen, but he came to save a lost and dying world and he gave his life voluntarily that you and I could have remission of sin and then called away to glory. But he said, if I go, I'm coming back. Amen, if I go, I'm gonna send a comforter. Amen, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. And that, my friend, is the purpose of his return was not to just come walk among men for a little while, amen, and then be gone, and then we just have a few pages of history of what had been and what a few people got to experience. But he said, I'm gonna come back and the comforter. Amen, I have been with you, but I'm gonna be in you. John 14 and 17 said, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye shall know him. Hallelujah. Well, I think we ought to just say that's me. Amen. But ye shall know him. That's me. Amen. And he shall, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I just want to remind you today that he didn't just come and walk the face of the earth in ministry for three and a half years. It's not just a select few that were able to take advantage of his signs and miracles and wonders and his ministry to impact their lives. But I'm here today to tell you that if you don't have the Holy Ghost, he wants to dwell in you. You don't have to come here to visit him. He can get in you and you can take him home. You won't have to wait for a Sunday or a Wednesday or a general conference or a camp meeting or a men's conference or a ladies conference, but I'm preaching to Holy Ghost filled men and women that have called on his name in the middle of the night. 
alone in your home, alone in your bedroom, and at the mention of his name, the power of heaven and earth stood still and stood at attention because we have the power of the Holy Ghost in us. In us. In us. Praise God. I'm thankful that he is in us. The power of the Holy Ghost. The spirit of a living God. In us to direct, to encourage, to strengthen, to instruct. But he's also in us to enlighten. That spirit that is in us will lead us and guide us into all truth. And so I will tell you today that this church doesn't have the corner market on truth. We just have a relationship with truth. Truth is not just for a select handful of people. Amen. Truth is in this Bible. Amen. So I'm not preaching out of a Bible that is specifically marked apostolic. Amen. I'm just preaching out of the unadulterated word of God. Amen. It is infallible. You can't, it's unyielding, it is unbending. I'm thankful for the word of God. So what we preach behind the pulpit of this church is just the truth that is found in the Bible. Amen, it's a Bible that you can find in any Bible bookstore. It's a Bible that you can download from many, many websites. It's not our version of things. It's not our slant on things. It's not our spin on things. Amen, he was more than a babe in a manger. He was the great God, Jehovah, Hallelujah, able to deliver us out of the bondage of sin and the slavery of the iniquity we were born into to save our soul. I'm glad there's more than just a manger to all of this. He's not wrapped in swaddling clothes anymore. I'm thankful that he was, but he is not. He is wearing garments of a king. He came that you and I might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And I'm glad that he accomplished what he set out to do. And when he said it is finished, what it really meant is it's just beginning. Because I have accomplished what I set out to do. On any project, there is a date or a moment that you are finished. That doesn't mean when you get through building a house and you're finished that you're fixing a bulldozer into a bulldoze it into a cavern somewhere life is just starting and so when Jesus said it is finished the veil was torn in two you Bible people know what I'm talking about that meant that man and the spirit of God was no longer separated there was nothing to divide the world of a common man from heavenly places he is wearing the garments of a king he come that we might have life. All of this was fulfilled at Calvary and the mission was explained in the book of Acts. It was fulfilled at Calvary but explained in the book of Acts. Amen. Because there was a babe in a manger. Because there was hope. Because there was, because there was hope. Amen. I'm thankful for his spirit. A spirit that is alive and well. Amen, because there was a baby in a manger, we have the opportunity ourselves to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And we've taken on his name. When we, and when we take on that name in baptism, we have the power and the authority to operate in that name. 
Amen. It is the culture in our world that when a man and a woman is married, that the lady takes on her husband's name in marriage, in that ceremony. When that ceremony is completed and the paperwork is signed, she has the authority to do business in that name. Her, there's been a name change. And you do business in that name and we have the authority because we have taken on his name. And so when we stand in a hospital room or when we stand in a restaurant or we stand wherever we may be and we begin to pray for someone, we're not praying in our name. I know you know this. We're not praying in the name of the church. We're not praying in the name of the pastor or praying in the name of someone we have confidence in. We're praying in the name of Jesus and we have the authority to use that name. So it is not us. It is not we ourselves, but it is the power of that name because there was a baby in a manger and because we have been born again of the water and the spirit and because we have taken on that name, we have the power to operate in that name. Amen. He is more than a child. He's God. He's the God of this world, but he is our God. I believe that we ought to personalize that. He is our personal Savior. Amen. And I'm thankful that I know him, aren't you? I'm really thankful that I know him. And there comes a time in every life, I'm very thankful, very humbled that I was raised in a Christian home. Very thankful that, that my life was surrounded by people that love the Lord and the Word of God and and so Sunday school teachers and all manner of people have just poured in to my life, my whole life. And I'm very, very thankful for that. But the thing that I'm the most grateful for is that one day he became my Savior. And it wasn't just someone that a Sunday school teacher was trying to talk to me about or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or a friend or a cousin, but he became my Lord, my Lord. Amen, our God. And so I don't have to call somebody else to get a hold of God for me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Secondly, because we know him, we know one another. That common denominator that just brought us all together and pulled us into the family of God. That unique, extraordinary opportunity to serve together. Not just serve the Lord. But the common denominator in this room today, and there really always needs to be a common denominator. I can speak from experience, and, and I'm sure others here can relate to what I'm about to say. While I realize that my mother and father played an incredibly important role in my life for perhaps very obvious reasons, they were my parents. I lost my mother first, and, and after losing my mother, two years and two days later, I lost my father. And it was at the loss, really, of both parents where I got a real revelation of, of what a common denominator parents serve. Parents, they kind of bring the family together. You center around them And I realize what I'm saying doesn't perhaps fit into every perfect mold of families today. I understand there 
can be levels of dysfunction and things of that nature, but just bear with me for a moment. That those parents, they didn't get up and announce that I'm going to be the centerpiece of your life. They just were the centerpiece of our lives. And so family gatherings were around them. And then I realized, and my brothers realized shortly after the loss of our parents, especially losing them kind of, kind of in, in pretty quick succession to one another, we had to be pretty intentional if we're going to keep our family together. I'm not just talking about keeping, our, keeping the dysfunction out of the family, but if we're going to be together, we're going to have to be intentional about this because, because the common denominator, gone. And I realize that it's the cycle of life and that we have our own families and we begin together and so goes life. My point is simply this, that the common denominator in this room today is not your love for God, not your loyalty for this house of God or loyalty to this church. The common denominator in this room is Him. The tentacles that flow out from Him for us as a local church body are all the things that I just mentioned. Our friends and family and and what God has done for us here, and we're not trying to memorialize brick and mortar, but there's a lot of wonderful things that have happened right here in this building for people that are sitting here today. Amen. I, for one, and many others could look around various parts of this building. You might remember where you were standing when the Lord just spoke something specific to your heart or where you were sitting when God did something to change your life. Thankful for those things. But the common denominator is Him. Amen. In this room, it is Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know him. I'm glad to be a part of a nation, with warts and all, <laughs> that still says we're going to pause and we're going to acknowledge that something significant, life-changing happened. And it happened because he was born in a lowly manger. There he lay in swaddling clothes. But he didn't stay there. I'm glad I know there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Don't stop there. Amen. So I say to some groups, take him out of the manger. I say to other groups, you need to get him off that cross in your mind. Because that's not where he is at all. Amen, and we need him in our heart. That's where he longs to be. Amen, let's stand together today. God bless you. Amen, I'm thankful, thankful, thankful that God has touched our heart and our minds and he's helped us and he's strengthened us. And because of that, we have tremendous reason to celebrate. We have every reason to be happy. We have every reason to be thrilled. I grew up hearing an old song that said, He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. He's taken my sins away. <laughs> Brought us together. Amen. Across this nation, around the world, people are gathered together in houses of worship. I'm thankful for the family of God I love his word don't you amen. amen I love his word and this word can change our heart and it can change our lives amen I wonder if we'd just lift our hands and our voices and thank him for that today Lord I magnify your name
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.